welcome to Healthcare IT Today. I'm John Lynn, together with my colleague and friend, Colin Hunt. The world of technology and healthcare are ever-changing in new and novel ways. That's why we love this stuff. So join us as we discuss the latest healthcare and health IT news meshed together in new ways, which help generate ideas and new perspectives. Plus, we'll have a little fun along the way. On today's episode, we'll be talking about one of my favorite parts of healthcare, nurses. And be sure to follow the show on Twitter at the hashtag HITSM and our personal accounts at TechGuy and at Colin underscore Hung. Plus, check out our 14 years of health IT blog content at healthcareittoday.com. I can't wait to talk about nurses. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great topic. It's nursing week. That's when this episode is going to air. So, you know, uh, thank you. First of all, thank you to all the nurses that may be listening. And if you know a nurse, thank them this week. Take the time to do that. You know, they, they do such important work, especially today and, and in the current situation. They are definitely front and center in this COVID uh, pandemic. Yeah, I mean, even before COVID-19, they were the unsung heroes of healthcare, and and even more so today. I mean, you hear about all the doctor shortages in in ICUs and different things, and uh, yeah, I've heard a lot of people even acknowledge they're like, I'd almost rather have a nurse that's really attentive than a doctor that's distracted by five patients, because those nurses are, you know, they know a lot more than we realize, and they don't get the credit they deserve. So I'm glad we could talk about it today. Yeah, no, I think it's a very appropriate topic. So let's dive right in. John, let's start with a personal stories. What 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 personal nurse stories have you got to share? I mean, I have so many, uh, especially, you know, obviously with four kids, I had a lot of nurse stories, nurse stories with the kids. Uh, my favorite, though, was my son was actually hospitalized in Waikiki. So we spent a week in Waikiki. We were living in Hawaii at the time, but uh, we ended up going to the hospital in Waikiki for a week because it ends up he should have just eaten. There wasn't anything wrong with him. But I remember it was late at night. It was like 2 a.m. And this sweet nurse came in and he put his uh, flashlight in his mouth because he didn't want to turn the light on because my wife and I were sleeping or at least I was half asleep. But And he came and he put the, the flashlight in his mouth and he changes our baby's diaper so that he, we, he didn't have to wake us up. And just, I mean, just those little sweet moments of kindness are so, so beautiful that this grown man changing our baby's diaper, well, you know, while being respectful to us was so beautiful. Um, you know, and then, you know, uh, and another story that just I love was a, a nurse that I worked with here in Las Vegas at UNLV. And she was just the sweetest, kindest, I mean, flamboyant <laughs> personalities. And when you saw her, she said, you get over here, John, I'm going to give you a big hug. And she'd give you that big bear hug, which I'm sure she's suffering right now without those hugs. But, uh, you know, I can't wait for COVID-19 to be over. I can go, I want to go visit her because I haven't seen her for a while and say, give me a big hug. But she was passionate about nursing and passionate about everything she did. And she just inspired me with her passion for nursing. Yeah, no, you're definitely uh, definitely right there on on uh, on the whole nurses and and pedi especially pediatric nurses. Uh, you know, one of um, my daughter was in the hospital uh, when she was very young, and uh, she had a, a a little bit of a of a scare, and essentially the IV that was it was given to her wasn't working. And so, you know, being a patient advocate, we were kind of bringing that up and trying to bring it up to say, hey, I don't think this is working. It's causing her distress and and it was really a nurse that was the one that took that on and said, you know what, I think you're right. You know, let's get someone in here. Cause you know, typically the doctor, was, the doctor would come in and he's got 20 patients to look at, right? 
and like, oh, let's just leave it a little bit longer. Let's leave it a little longer, see if it works, right? Sometimes it takes some time. Uh, and, uh -huh. and she just kept getting more and more distressed. And so it was the nurse yeah. who really uh, brought that to the attention of the medical staff. And they came in and said, oh boy, we need to change this. And all of a sudden the flurry of activity happened and they changed out some stuff and, and then she was okay. But but if, if it wasn't for that nurse, I think, you know, they would just have prolonged uh, the stress that uh, my daughter was under. So they are definitely, you know, a combination of, of medical practitioner, uh, you know, an empathetic listener, uh, and then they they rapidly can turn into a champion for you uh, uh, when you know when yep. when the uh, when the when time is right. Yeah, my my second child, we were in the in the hospital, uh, getting ready to deliver her, and we had a nurse who normally worked in the ED, but she was kind of cross training. I think she was maybe looking to transfer or something like that into the OB uh, area, and so she was there, and uh, you know, obviously she was still learning. And there was another nurse that came in and was really great, you know, training her on what she needed to do. Well, at one point, you know, my wife's progressing along the pathway and the doctor still hasn't showed up. And the nurse at one point, she's like, if I have to deliver this baby, it's going to be named Janelle, which was the nurse's name. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that seems fair. That seems fair. <laughs> but it was so funny and so cute of her, you know. <laughs> you could tell she was stressing because she's like, I'm an ED nurse. I'm not delivering this baby. But thankfully, the doctor showed up. But it was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. No, and I'm sure. Sure, I'm sure our listeners and and those uh, readers of ours, you know, I'm sure they have tons of nurse stories. It, you know, it, and that kind of takes us to the to the next topic, and that's really that nurses are are really the the face of most organizations, right? Like, you know, I know the 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 skilled surgeons and the docs, they're important too, and and they're on the commercials, right? And they're on the brochures and stuff. But it's really the nurses that patients remember the most because they have the most interaction with nurses, you know, in, at their bedside, uh, day to day, uh, even the families, when they come in, they interact with the nurses more than they interact with other members of the staff. So uh, they are the ones that people see as being uh, the healthcare representative, like the representative of the healthcare organization. And I think there was a recent study, and I wish I uh, could get the actual stats, but I believe that nurses have now are now above in ranking in terms of trust compared to doctors right now, which, uh, when you think about it, it, makes a lot of sense. No, for sure. And, you know, you have that interaction with the nurses so much. And so it makes sense that they're the ones that are trusted. And they're the ones that are often providing the real services to you as a patient when you're in the hospital, you know, or even in, in an ambulatory setting as well. So it makes sense why we trust nurses more. Uh, it is fascinating that, you know, the, I, I saw that study as well, right? Where nurses are becoming even more trusted than doctors. Uh, but, you know, obviously it's because if you look at the nursing profession, what is their job? Their job is just to serve. Like <laughs> in many ways, you know, in our very, you know, economic society, this economic focused society, you know, you can look at a doctor and say, are they really doing what's best for me? Or are they doing what's best for their bottom line? But we don't really say that with nurses because nurses don't really impact the bottom line in that same way. I mean, certainly they could and how efficient they are and all those things, right? But but not in the sense of they're going to give you the best care that they can. And that's their whole focus because everything they do is to serve. And so it, it really makes sense why nurses are such a trusted part of healthcare. 
Yeah, and and I think you know it's kind of extend that. You know, I, I think hopefully uh, what this uh, pandemic will do is kind of really highlight that they need to spend or should spend a little bit more time recognizing that from uh, I'll call it a marketing standpoint, a a patient relationship standpoint that to give the nurses the tools and things to to really help them um, because they you know the ratio I don't think a lot you know we talk a lot about nursing ratios but the nursing ratios are way way higher than the physician ones uh, you know the amount of training that nurses get is is nowhere near what some of the other members of staff maybe get uh, they they you're right you you said it off the top they tend to be the unsung hero and and therefore they are forgotten uh, a lot of times and a lot of things that we do and and I'm hoping that that will change. And I'm, you know, and, and it's studies like those to say, hey, actually, it's the nurses that are really your face to the public. Um, I, I hope some of the smarter organizations will wake up and go, okay, we probably should, uh, we should probably give them some better tools and some better, uh, better resources to help with their roles. Yeah, and I think that's particularly true in health IT, where it's always like, what can we do to make this easy for the doctor? And you're like, really? I mean, sure, yeah, we need to make it easy for the doctor. They're an expensive resource. We need to make them as efficient as possible. I'm not saying we should stop that, but I think we need to spend as much time on on the nurses. And they, they really haven't been catered to in that way by health IT, which is pretty unfortunate. You know, I, we've had a lot of people talking about even satisfaction ratings, right? I mean, everyone's so interested in those satisfaction ratings, which that's a whole side topic. It will be interesting to see what happens with those post COVID-19, right? But you know, that those satisfaction scores impact the bottom line of a healthcare organization. And I've heard, you know, revenue cycle companies or, or payment companies come and say, well, it turns out your experience is really impacted by the way that you pay. And you I think that's true, but layer on that, the way the nurses are and you know how burnt out they are or how effective they are and how distracted they are by the technology that they can't provide the care that they need, that's gonna impact your ratings just as much as the other. And I haven't really heard that many people talking about it. It's probably talked about at nurse uh, conventions, but uh, you know, you don't hear it at HIMSS, you don't hear it at the health IT conferences that much. So I think that that needs to be a greater focus going forward. Yeah, and I totally agree with you. And I think you know one of the things that uh, nurses in particular will drive, and we'll get more into this in a minute around the technology side, but nurses are much more mobile and portable, if you will, than physicians are. Um, we, especially now, again, with the pandemic, we're hearing a lot about nurses in long-term care facilities and nurses at home. Mm. I mean, th that's what they do, right? They, they work in these other settings other than a hospital. I know we talk a lot about hospitals on this show and, you know, and in our writing, but, but nurses, you know, they're in long-term care facilities, they're in, they're in schools, they're, they're everywhere. They're much more proliferated into our day-to-day -day communities. Uh, versus physicians are, and I think um, I think it's time. And and, and again, this this uh, emergency crisis has kind of highlighted how much impact and where that impact that nurses have. Uh, when there's nursing shortages at at uh, at care facilities that cater to, uh, you know, the, the the folks that need 24/7 uh, monitoring. I mean, all of a sudden when they uh, got they when they couldn't work, I mean, all of a sudden those facilities couldn't operate, right? Like. Uh, you know, you can maybe make do without a doctor for like a few hours, but you can't make do without a nurse for a few hours, right, in some of these facilities. So it really just highlights that they are the cornerstone a lot of times for these organizations. Yep, and they facilitate the workflow for the physicians in such a big way, uh, you know, they deserve the credit there too. For sure, for sure. Hey, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Healthcare IT Today with John Lynn and Colin Hung.
John, I got to ask, so what's the latest update on Expo Health? Right, so Expo.Health is our health IT conference, which is scheduled for the end of September, beginning of October. And obviously there's a lot of interesting questions in the air with COVID-19 and the coronavirus and all the lockdown. But, you know, we're keeping an eye on it for sure. As of now, we're progressing forward. Uh, we're looking at, you know, that might be the perfect time for the healthcare IT community to come together and share the best practices coming out of COVID-19. And really, you know, what is that new normal, you know, to use a trite phrase, right? What is the new normal? What is the new environment gonna look like? What was effective? What wasn't effective? What do we need to do going forward? So as of now, we're certainly uh, pushing forward with the end of September conference here in Las Vegas, where I'm from. Uh, we will work, with, you know, we are working on a virtual component as well because we understand some organizations just won't be able to travel for whatever reason. And so, you know, we're working on that also. Uh, and then we also have extended the call for speakers. So if people are interested and have something that obviously understands the current environment that they could present at expo.health, we've extended the call for speakers. So just go to expo.health on your web browser and you can submit the call for speakers. You can register for the event. Obviously, we'll apply that registration to the virtual conference as well if you're not able to make it. But uh, yeah, hopefully the world comes back together and we can come together in Las Vegas and really take an assessment of what's happened with you know healthcare in this trying time and what's the pathway forward. So I think that's you know been an evolution for us for sure as far as the vision for the conference. But I, I, it feels like that's what the community would benefit from most, and I hope that the others in the community will join us. Yeah, no, I'm excited for the event. Uh, like you said, it's at the end of September, so. Fingers crossed that by then things will, uh, some things will have opened up and the restrictions will be, uh, uh, you know, um, at least relaxed in certain, in certain uh, cases. I'm not sure we're all going to be going to any rock concerts or any baseball uh, uh, games or anything like that, unfortunately. But, but uh, we certainly hope that uh, the community will want to get together and and share these best practices that we've all been learning uh, over the last six months. But then also carry forward some of the some of the themes that were prevalent last year, right? And carry the, you know, now, yeah. you know, carry those forward into the rest of 2020. So definitely looking forward to it. Yeah, and it should be cheap enough to travel to Vegas. I mean, I think we're at $65 a night already for the hotel. So it should be an inexpensive way for people to really come together. And yeah, you know, I think some people will need to get out. I, I'm ready to travel. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't think of a better place than Vegas. And uh, the, uh, the good news is there's also probably going to be some pretty good deals to be had from the airlines who are going to be really looking for to fill those airplanes uh, uh, coming sure. going forward. So we'll we'll see we'll see how that goes. But let's get back to let's get back to the topic at hand. So nurses um, wouldn't be a, a healthcare IT today podcast if we didn't talk a little bit about technology, John. So let's talk a little bit about technology and the impact it has on nurses, specifically around nurse burnout. Yeah, I, I think one of the biggest challenges that nurses face with technology is the alert fatigue idea. Uh, you know, depending on the organization, nurses get inundated with alerts from the EHR, alerts from a text messaging service, alerts from a pager in some cases, which still astounds me. But anyway, topic for another day. Uh, you know, or a secure message system, or 
10 other systems that they have to be following. Plus they're getting alerts from the patients, which is being sent from their room or that's going off and that's lighting up something in the, in the nurse's station or, you know, all of these alerts, I think is the, one of the biggest challenges. And I'm just reminded of a, a conversation I had with Volt uh, and, and one of the uh, customers of Volt. And when they looked at this and they said, when we looked at physician burnout, uh, or nurse burnout and alert fatigue, we realize one important element, and that is if it's spread across multiple systems, we have no way to evaluate what the fatigue is. So one of the keys is how do you consolidate as much as possible the alerts that are coming to nurses that are certainly burning them out because they're like, why did I get this? So that's another problem, right? You can address mm -hmm. is making sure that they're actually actionable and useful to them. But the second is consolidate them in one area so you can see the volume of alerts that a nurse is getting over that time so that then you can address, oh, you know what? This could have been useful, but in this given context, it's not because it's being overwhelmed by these other more important alerts. So I think you know that's a good example of how technology can hurt or help depending on how it's implemented. Uh, no, you're definitely right. I mean, that's it's you know the alert fatigue or just the uh, the monitoring uh, of patients is definitely an area where a lot of technology investments have been made. We hear a lot of stories, uh, like from New York Presbyterian, about putting together these giant command centers, right, where they've tied in every single monitoring device into a central command center. That central command center employs a staff of nurses and other clinicians, you know, to monitor the patients. So that instead of one nurse monitoring five or ten this one command center, they can monitor 15 or 20 because they're doing it all electronically. And there's AI built into saying you know, what's normal, what's not, and then they can look at it and then alert the nurse. And so the nurse only has one source, not multiple sources to go and look at it. And so there's some really great technology to, to, uh, to kind of bring to bear here to help reduce that alert fatigue, which you're right, is a big, big, uh, well, one of the key factors to, to nurse burnout. The other one I wanted to, to mention though, John, is is really around uh, training uh, or lack of training for the technology that nurses are being asked to use. Um, and I think training in general is poorly done in, in most healthcare organizations. We don't give enough time for it. We rush it. It's not really well thought out. Uh, it's not contextualized the different way people learn. Uh, it's sort of like, hey, come to this in-service for 15 minutes, we'll do something, and then you're expected to be an expert in it, right? Um, I think that that's leading to a lot of, uh, it's another contributing factor, sorry, to burnout. Um, so I think if, if we need to spend a little bit more time training, we need to offer different styles of training, different opportunities for training, give the nurses time to go and learn these systems, right? And don't expect them to learn it in 15 minute little chunks, you know, across a whole week. Uh, I think we just need to do a better job there so they can become familiar with the technology and, and make use of it better in a, in a more, uh, in the way that it was intended to. So to me, one of the biggest things that we can do to help nurses uh, fight burnout and, and help us in general is to really look at that training aspect of technology. Yeah, and space repetition is such a powerful idea with training. But I'd add one other one that's really interesting. And it reminds me of some stories I've heard about nurses who, who, who kind of create their territory around the technology. They're like, this workstation's mine, and if you touch it, I will destroy you, which, you know, they don't, they don't talk like that uh, mostly. But, you know, it's that kind of, like, feeling, right, where they're like, you shall not touch this. This is mine. And, and, and so that's something that 
technology people can understand is ensuring they have enough technology and workstations or card on wheels or whatever solutions you're doing so that the nurses don't have to fight over that there's enough technology where it needs to be so that they can do it because the reality is they have to document it electronically in most organizations today and so you need enough of those workstations and access whether they're mobile or not to be able to do the documentation and be able to do the work they need to and so the the burnout of just not even be able to find a workstation let alone a workstation that works which is another problem for some organizations <laughs> and that is affected right yeah, that just burns them out in a big way. Yeah, there was another interesting anecdotal story that I had when I was working the day job still. Uh, with I did, We'd implemented this EHR. It's an ambulatory environment. Right. And one of the nurses came to me. She said, John, do you want to know why I hate this EHR? And I'm like, yeah, please, you know, let me know. I, you know, I, I need to know this stuff so I can help you as much as possible. And she looked at me and she pulled out this piece of paper. And interestingly enough, this nurse had had no problems with the HR, right? Like there were some other nurses that weren't picking it up quickly. She picked it up no problem, didn't have any issues, was able to do everything she needed to do. She pulls out this paper. She draws the symbol of a female and draws the symbol of a male. She's like, I wish I could do that. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought to myself, so you're like burnt out and frustrated with this EHR because you can't draw a male symbol versus a female symbol. But I mean, but it was it was a, a good uh, thing for me to hear that it's like, oh, there are simple things. And in many ways, it was almost like a loss for her, right? Like, you know, a loss of something she really cared about and she really enjoyed about the previous one. And I think a lot of technology people look at that and you know i certainly did before hearing her story it's like oh i forgot about the loss of that and how you might have enjoyed that because to me a drop down of male or female accomplishes the exact same thing and is actually quicker and more efficient so it was a great example for me to realize that hey you know these nurses as they adopt new technology are losing some of the old patterns that they really enjoyed and it really is a loss for them when you implement new tech uh, that just goes to show we definitely need to implement emojis into the EHR so they can use them <laughs> and put them in there. <laughs> she would have been happy with that. <laughs> so let's let's talk about uh, our last topic here: scheduling and nurses. This was an interesting one, John. You brought this up as a as a concern. Yeah. So I mean, I think nurses' schedules have always been crazy. Uh, I mean, it's the reality of a 24/7 uh, situation. It's the reality of you know, who's equipped to do various areas of scheduling. Uh, you know, anyway, it's a complicated problem even before COVID-19. And now just talking to some of my nurse friends, my cousin who's a nurse, so shout out to her on our nurse episode. But uh, she was telling me that she's just not working nearly as much. So it's interesting that she, you know, she's taking that impact because in her area, COVID-19 hasn't become a, a huge problem and they converted her unit to COVID-19 because there's no elective procedures. So I think that's been a challenge for her. And so, and no doubt every healthcare organization is trying to figure out how do we schedule nurses? They were worried about it before and now I think it's even more complex. And the best solutions I've seen in using technology 
are actually taking these preferences of the nurses. It's taking the past history and being able to schedule the nurses based on that past history using AI to understand, okay, these schedules on Friday night from 10 to 6 a.m. are really hard to fill, which that's an obvious one that all of us will probably look at and say, oh yeah, that's hard. But did you know that the Tuesday shift at 6 p.m. is a really bad one too for some reason, right? Or that the one right before a certain, you know, Jewish holiday in your system is really going to matter. I mean, it, it discovers those those uh, realities. And then what was fascinating about the technologies I've seen in this regard, they'll actually incentivize the shifts that are the hardest to fill. So right. the nurses are actually being compensated for taking the really hard shifts. So I, I think it's fascinating to see the challenges and the complexities and how tech can help through that. No, I, I, I love it. I mean, what you're talking about is, is some really interesting, you know, you can get, I've heard some systems that allow nurses to trade, you know, shifts and stuff like that. So I could, I'll trade you the bad shift if you give me two of the, you know, for, for one of the good ones or you, know, you can score points and there's all these amazing systems that can come into play to help them, uh, you know, do, address this problem. Uh, one of the other aspects that uh, I was thinking about was really more around the temp nurse. Uh, so there's a lot of nurses who work only on a temporary basis who may work with multiple different organizations, and there's nothing really for them to really help them manage their schedules. I and mean, they have to work, use their own technologies to kind of go, okay, well, on Tuesday I'm over here, and on Thursday I'm over here. Uh, and there's no real way for hospitals um, to be able to easily go, hey, actually, I need a nurse uh, who's willing to travel within this 70-mile radius uh, that has these skill sets, who, who have I got? They have to rely on a lot of really complicated uh, relationships and networking and, and sometimes outside agencies to help them find and fill these, uh, these roles. So I think, especially coming out of uh, COVID-19, we're going to see some workforce, better workforce management tools uh, around nurses to help manage this, also this temporary workforce as much as their own staff. Yeah, and there, there's a lot of people talking about the surge that's going to happen once, you know, elective procedures are opened up and things like that. So how are you going to ramp up your nurses and schedule <clears throat> to your point, right? I mean, that's a huge problem. But I think it also underscores like a lesson we've learned in COVID-19, which applies to all sorts of technology, because the reality is, is no hospital organization is implementing the scheduling technology right now. Right? Like either you had it or you don't. And if you have it, you're going to be well positioned now to leverage that technology to help deal with this problem. But if you don't have it, guess what? You're going to be looking for some other solution that's probably pretty manual and probably doesn't use the sophisticated technology to be able to do it. And we see that across all of health IT. If you didn't have the communication system before, you're probably not implementing it unless it's a video telehealth system, which is the only thing I've seen implemented since then, right? Like, and in many cases, they were already looking at it or something, right? But, uh, you know, that's an important lesson here is what are the core technologies that you've implemented that will help you confront the crises that come in the future, whether that's a local crisis like a hurricane or a tornado or things like that, or whether it's a massive crisis pandemic that we're experiencing today, because in the future, every healthcare organization needs to be ready for that. So what is the core technology infrastructure that's going to allow you to deal with a crisis is a really important discussion that we're likely going to have over the next six months to a year. I totally agree with you, John. Totally agree with you. That could be a whole episode on its own. But unfortunately, we're out of time on this one.
Thank you to all of you who tuned into this episode of Healthcare IT Today. To find more details about our show, check out the programs page on healthcarenowradio.com. And please share your voice and engage with the community at healthcareittoday.com and on Twitter using the hashtag HITSM. I'm Colin Hung, along with my friend and health IT collaborator, John Lin. Thanks for listening. Have a great week.